You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Plum and we're also joined today yet again by Nick Filato at Nick Filato on Twitter. If you want to give him a follow, he is uh, one of the members of the BBV staff and does film breakdowns here for Big Blue View. So Nick is joining us today to talk with us about the consensus big board we worked on last week and answer some of the questions that you might be wondering about in terms of the various position groups that we worked on and put together in that list. If you haven't seen the consensus big board, I fully encourage you to go check them out. There's an offensive and a defensive positional ranking post where we work together to formulate a consensus rankings on every single position group based on what we thought on various guys. So getting right into our first question, I think that the one thing that really stands out on any positional board right now for a lot of people is how large our receiver group ended up being. It ended up being the biggest one, and we ended up having 20 guys on it. How deep is this position group? And Chris, why don't we go right to you first? Uh, I'll just say really deep, very deep, uh, almost stupidly deep. <laughs> now, I, I'm not sure there are any like real generational, and that word gets thrown, out, thrown around a lot, but really iconic, I suppose, talents in this class, but there are just a ton of really, really good players. You know, yes, Jerry, Judy, and CD Lamb are at the top, but there's probably another 10 guys who would be top five players in any other draft class. It is ridiculous. I mean, we were going to expand it to 15, and we got to 15. It's like, we just can't stop. There are too many guys we cannot leave off. This is just a ridiculously deep wide receiver class. It's absolutely ridiculous, Chris. And uh, hi, everybody. Nick Filato here. Just uh, kicking it with the boys, kicking it with the fellas. But now, yeah, this wide receiver class is uh, it's it's crazy. And I wouldn't honestly the top three, Jerry, Judy, CeeDee Lamb and even Henry Ruggs. I would group in here. I wouldn't chastise anybody who wants to put one of those guys. Number one, it really is kind of like what flavor do you want? Because Ruggs kind of gets pigeonholed as this player who is only, you know, a nine route kind of receiver like a John Ross. And that's so unfair to Henry Ruggs because he is a nuanced receiver who can run routes and knows the subtleties of how to create separation along with that excellent speed. He's really good in that area. So I don't like how people try to pigeonhole him, not to mention John Ross had so many injury concerns coming out of Washington that year. So if teams, if he's the number one flavor and you kind of try to follow the Tyreek Hill mold, I can't really... I can't really uh, say that that's a dumb move whatsoever. And then there's C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. I mean, Jerry Judy is one of the most polished route runners in the game, in the college football, and he can come into the NFL and really that skill set's going to translate 
excellently. He's also a really, really good athlete. C.D. Lamb, a little bit more physical. Uh, another receiver who can kind of create yards after the catch with his athleticism and with his physicality. And just coming out of Oklahoma, man, he just dominated at that level with Baker Mayfield, dominated at that level with Kyler Murray, dominated at that level this past year with Jalen Hurts. So, I mean, those top three receivers are excellent. And then that four, man, with Justin Jefferson, you could play him in the slot. That's where he played predominantly in 2019. You could stick him outside. There's just so many different things you can do. I think he his skill set, even though he played in the slot, I think he can play outside. He just hasn't he didn't do it too much. But man, you've seen him run up the seam and just be an absolute force there. And there's just you just go down this list of wide receivers, and there's going to be difference makers all the way down. Like I look at if Michael Pittman Jr. lands at the right, he's our 11th receiver. If he lands in the right situation, he could be that big body X receiver who's physical at the catch point with an excellent uh, long catch radius who can just use his body and with his body control his tracking ability and his physicality to really just dominate defenders which he did I want to say several times in college I think it was against the Utah uh the Utah defensive backs, I, I don't remember exactly which ones he really dominated, but the, that whole defensive secondary is coming into this draft, and he had a one hell of a game. So there's just so many names that you can just go down and just applaud. And if the Giants land some of these guys later, maybe in like the fifth round, if some of these guys like Colin Johnson or Antonio Gandy-Golden are around, I mean, that's something big body receivers who can kind of fill that X role for Jason Garrett and pair them with Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, and Sterling Shepard. I mean, that's going to be a formidable, young, athletic, and now big receiving core. And that's something that I know a lot of Giants fans will be looking forward to. It's pretty crazy how long this list is and how it just, it seems like there's an endless list of guys that are bigger names. It seems like you can pull out guys that are recognizable and that, that have names that are constantly being talked about. But some of these guys are going to end up being drafted in the fifth or the sixth round because of how deep this receiver group is. There's going to be guys that are going to end up being very talented and have underrated NFL careers. But because of where they're drafted, because of how deep this position group is, they're going to end up sliding a little bit. The other position group that ended up having a bit of an oddity on our positional rankings was not because it was very deep, but the opposite, because it did not have a lot of depth to it. And that was the tight end group. We only managed to put up five on this list because we felt that it really didn't makes sense to keep going further with guys that are going to get, end up getting drafted very, very late. So Chris, wh why do you think that it made sense here to cut things short, stick with the five guys that we ended up choosing? Uh, really just exactly what you said. There are, there isn't really a needle moving tight end. The guys we have, they have skills, they have, you know, skill sets and traits that, that will have a home in the NFL, but we, we didn't really have more than five guys who are probably going to be in the top 100. So once you start getting into that fifth, sixth round, you start getting into, you start really doing the deep cuts in the position and you get to where a team drafts a guy and you're going, who? And, you know, even though there were some bigger names at tight end, they really aren't any better than the, those guys who, you know, we've never really heard their name. So it just didn't make any sense to go past five. You know, I, I was just thinking, you know, as deep as this wide receiver class is, that's how shallow the tight end class is. Yeah, the tight end class definitely leaves a lot to be desired. I mean, Cole Komet we have at the top coming out of Notre Dame. He can block and he can receive, but it's nothing that's 
transcendent. And then you look at Adam Troutman, who went to the Senior Bowl, played a date in a smaller school, went to the Senior Bowl, and opened up a lot of eyes because he was able to create separation against linebackers and running backs in those drills. And he showed a higher level of athletic ability that we all expected because he dominated at a small level. You want to see him do it against the big boys. And Troutman was able to do that. And that's something that kind of opened the eyes. But again, these are day two prospects. These are late round two. If if a team really needs a tight end and they think they're you know, one tight end away from really, really competing and being that kind of difference maker for their offense. But these guys are probably going to be in round three because this is just not the tight end here. So, and you look at like teams who might have been interested in tight ends, like the Patriots were getting thrown out there. But the Patriots now without Tom Brady, they're not going to more than likely be looking to just upgrade their tight end position like that. They have a couple other needs they might want to focus on after free agency. So it's just not an inspiring class whatsoever. Which is unfortunate, but you know I think players like Bryson Hopkins, I think Hunter Bryant, I think those players can kind of come in, fill their role, and be solid players for NFL franchises. The one thing I noticed when we were working on these positional rankings, and it's going to happen in any scouting situation that you're trying to work on a consensus, is that various players were being hyped up or talked about more by certain guys when we were working on this list. So what I mean by that is... Whenever we got to a certain list, uh, someone would always bring up someone that, that had to be in a certain spot. Chris, who was your guy that, that you felt you were banging the table for that was your guy that you had to advocate for that had to be higher than we were really pitching? Uh, since we're sticking to the offensive side, I'll go with Brian Edwards, receiver out of South Carolina. He has had just a terrible run of luck over the last couple months and if you take South Carolina's quarterback situation into account the last couple of years, but he, even though they had a not very good quarterback, really inconsistent play that, at that position, he was productive, not quite as productive as Debo Samuel, but close enough. And he's got good size. He's got enough athleticism. He can be physical. He can create after the catch. He can do everything an NFL team wants an outside receiver to do. But then he suffered a foot injury right at the end of the year, didn't get to go to the senior ball and show what he could do with, you know, maybe better, more consistent quarterback play. And then just before the combine, he suffered a knee injury. So he couldn't get to the go, go to the combine and show off his route running, his athletic ability, all of those things. He caught my eye last year watching Samuel and just every chance he every time he has had a chance to really separate himself and show that yes he is a good receiver he he deserves to be mentioned with some of the better receivers in this class just something has gone wrong something has happened so i i had to pound the table for him i love that too by the way chris because brian edwards is kind of being forgotten about because it is a very deep receiver class and he's a very talented receiver so i think his uh, a team's going to get an absolute steal possibly even on day four which is crazy to think about or day three i should say round four what an idiot but yeah no um possibly get a really good steal there and if that question was asked to me I'm going to go with Lucas Nyang because you have these big four tackles that we always talk about in Makai Becton, Tristan Wurst, Dredgic Wills, and Andrew Thomas. But that fifth spot is kind of up in the air with the Josh Joneses, the Ezra Clevelands, the Prince Tegawanogas, and then you have Lucas Nyang. And I feel like Lucas, he ended his season with a hip injury against that Texas game. He left, got the surgery, and now he's fully healthy for the NFL draft. 
So there's not too many concerns with that, but you, there are some red flags you definitely need to investigate. The medical staffs have to investigate. But I look at uh, Lucas's tape and some of his biggest concerns were false stepping. And I think a lot of that was attributed to his hips, to that hip injury, his ability to anchor down and all those kind of things. And he wasn't getting blown by or anything like that on his tape. I just feel like his fundamentals and are solid enough to translate. He has the length. He has the athletic ability. He can move in space. He has good foot speed. Uh, he can set well in all the kind of sets, you know, 45 degree set, vertical set. His foot quickness works for that. He can mirror speed rushers and he kind of does that at a solid level. So I wanted to make sure Lucas Nyang's name was thrown out there to possibly be that fifth tackle because you can really rank a lot of those guys anyway because, I mean, Josh Jones is a is a polarizing name that we all hear about possibly to the Giants at 36, but I think Josh Jones has some... Uh, has some learning to do at the position. He might need that year to kind of develop because he just has fundamental errors that I see with his footwork on the line of scrimmage and things along those lines. I think he could be a really good uh, offensive tackle if he lands in the right system with the right coach. But I just wanted to pound the table for Lucas Nyang because I feel like uh, without that injury, he can come in and he could be a solid player at the NFL level. And Nyang ended up being our fifth tackle, like you said, which is a, a bit higher than I think most people are having him. I, th I think like you acknowledge here that Josh Jones is considered to be that outside fifth guy, late first round, early second. But Nyang is is very underrated in the stuff that he was able to do in college at TCU. The, the one guy that I ended up trying to pound the table for, but it was a bit unsuccessful because he ended up being slotted as our fourth safety, and that was Kyle Duggar. Uh, when I watched his tape, I was just really excited with what I saw in his athletic ability, his ability to track the ball and close down really quickly, having that elite speed despite playing at such a small school, all of those athletic traits really stood out to me. We saw it on display at the NFL Combine, and I think Duggar, if he gets the right amount of time to develop and progress and get better and improve from being this division two prospect he could be a serious weapon for a lot of defenses if he's used in the in the right ways especially because of what he brings to the table in terms of his size he's a bigger safety you can use him in the box he's not uh, strictly just going to be playing the safety position he's scheme versatile if you need him to use him in different and various uh, certain situations all right now we're going to take a very short commercial break and when we come back we're going to play a fun game where we're going to be pitching if we're higher or lower on various draft prospects. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
So to wrap up today's show, the way we're going to do this is that I'm going to pitch out a player's name, a prospect that is a bit more polarizing, that has a, a large range of where he's going to land based on what a lot of people are saying, what the consensus is by a lot of people in the NFL draft evaluation community. And after I pitch that that name, Chris will go first, then Nick, and say if they're higher or lower or at exactly where I say is the typical range for where they're saying he's going to be drafted. So our first player that we have is CJ Henderson, cornerback from Florida. Right now, there's a lot of teams or a lot of people rather saying that he's going to be a top 20 pick, especially after that really good combine performance that he had. Chris, are you higher or lower on his draft stock? Uh, Let's see. If the over under is 20, I'm going to say higher really, if only because he had that tremendous, incredible combine workout he shows all of the traits you want to see from a cover corner on tape. He's not the most physical guy. He can kind of play patty cakes with receivers, maybe make a few business decisions, which you really don't want to see, but really just the ability to stick and stay with pretty much any receiver that lines up across from him in man coverage is incredibly valuable. And teams covet that. Once Jeffrey Okuda is off the board, I think it's really going to come down to Henderson and Fulton as the next corner. And pretty much every team needs as many good man cover corners as they can get. I 100% agree. I think he's going to go in the top 20. Like Again, CJ Henderson, you look at his ability to just stay in phase, be sticky in man coverage. That's what every NFL team is looking for. That's what every NFL team values. Yes, on his film, it's very evident that he does make some business decisions, which is frustrating, but his ability to cover is not going to be overlooked by the NFL, and I think he's going to be picked in the top 15, top 20. Our next guy, and we already hinted at him when we were talking about the consensus positional rankings that is Josh Jones offensive tackle from Houston right now it seems like the consensus is he's going to be a late first rounder early second so Chris are you higher or lower on Josh Jones I'm going to say lower I'm going to say maybe middle second I recognize and admit that he is probably going to be drafted in the tail end of the first round really if only based on his physical and athletic traits but like Nick said, he's got some things to clean up and guys with those kinds of warts, concerns, issues, however you want to phrase it. I like, I like them a little bit more in the middle of the second round, you know, where the risk is a little bit lower and you can kind of justify spending the time to work with and develop a guy and not feel pressured into starting him before he before he is ready i i agree with that as well i mean i want some discourse here chris i would like some discourse some arguments but no man josh jones i think a team is going to want to get him maybe get that fifth year option and one of those really good teams who are picking later in the first round will probably select him due to those athletic upside and coaches they're very confident they have a lot of hubris they could be like i can teach him the way to actually play football. We can do this. Now, we've seen teams really succeed with that mindset, but we've also seen teams be burned with that mindset. So we'll see what that happens with Josh Jones. But I think I value him probably in that mid-second round range as well. So, But I do feel like he will slip into the first round just because, I mean, last year we saw Titus Howard. Who saw that coming from the Texans? Titus Howard slip into the first round of the NFL draft. And Josh Jones is a better prospect than Howard is. So I think he will slip up in the... uh, in, into the first round. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone saw that Titus Howard pick coming whatsoever. Easily the biggest surprise last year. So we'll see what the biggest surprise ends up being this NFL draft. Our next guy that we have is Henry Ruggs, wide receiver from Alabama. And it seems like the consensus has been he's that third receiver, going to be a top 20 pick based on which wide receiver hungry teams are going to take him in the middle of that first round. Nick wants some discussion. He wants, I'm going to say, not only do I say over, but I'm going to say Ruggs will be the second pick, second receiver taken. Either Judy or Lamb will be the first, but I think Ruggs goes before whichever one of those two isn't taken because NFL teams love them some speed. And especially after watching the Chiefs, watching the Baltimore Ravens with Hollywood Brown, teams have gotten an object lesson in what speed can do for an offense, and Ruggs has it in spades. I think some team is going to fall in love with that disappointing 4-2-40 and pull the trigger and really surprise everyone and maybe have the first wow moment of the draft. I'm telling you, I don't even think it's going to be a wow moment, Chris, because I do agree. And, I, and I'm and i looking at the draft order and you look at some of these. I can see him going in the top 15. You got Denver at 15, which I feel like, you know, pair him with Drew Locke, with Cortland Sutton, with Deshaun Hamilton, who still hasn't really broken out yet, but was a favorite coming out of that draft. I think that can really be kind of a dynamite, explosive offense. And offensive coordinators have that mindset where it's just like if we had somebody who can keep the safeties honest to, to not just be relied upon and just man coverage one you know one corner on this wide receiver if they have to play too high because the pure speed of a receiver where you have to shade a safety over to the top kind of like how defensive coordinators plan for Tyree Kill and this is a copycat league and Henry Ruggs has a lot more going for him than just speed so I honestly man I feel like he's going to go in the top 20 as well and I look at Denver I look at teams the Jets even could possibly be an option there. I mean, there's there's some teams that are going to really just fall in love with his skill set, his game-breaking speed, and I uh, I think he's going to go in the top 20. And we saw what happened a couple of years ago with John Ross when he broke the 40 record at the NFL Combine, and he ended up sliding up a lot higher than I think a lot of people expected, ended up being a top 10 pick. Our next player that we have is Grant Delpit, safety from LSU. At the beginning of this season, it seemed like he was going to be a top 15 pick, but after dealing with some injury issues, as well as not showing the same level of play in the second half of the season, he slid his way into the late first round discussion, maybe even early second round. So Chris, where do you stand on Delpit's draft stock? Yeah, I am of two minds on this. There is where I feel he should be drafted and where I think he will be drafted. Yeah, I... I remain pretty high on Delpit. Yes, he had some atrocious tackling, and tackling is one of a safety's main jobs. But I am also a big believer in the importance of a center fielding free safety. And Delpit's range and his ability to play that center field position was what got him to the top of our safety board. I feel like he probably should be a top 20 pick, even with a less than stellar disappointing 2019 season hey you go you go to last year you go to 2018 and he he was a top 10 pick (laughs) yeah exactly so i you know we know he has that ability and that's kind of what i'm counting on i but where do i 
think he's going to get picked. I think there's a there's a distinct chance he slides out of the first round just because teams seem to be really capricious with the with their uh, how they value the safety position. Yeah, you know, it seems like you have to have the right team at the right place for a safety to get drafted highly. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure that's going to be there for Delpit. I could see him going at the top of the second. I think that's fair. I do. Top of the second. I mean, who knows? It could be something like we saw with uh, Landon Collins a couple of years ago where a team kind of trades up to the first pick in the second day to land the safety. But I- I'm trying to look through and I'm trying to see any of these teams. I mean, they could use a single high guy, but this this is a very loaded draft class. It's a very talented draft class. We don't see this every year. And I could see that down 2019 and just the overall value of that position. Some teams value it more than others, but we've seen some solid safeties and free agency sit on in free agency and sit on their ass for a really long time and not kind of uh, get the phone calls that you expected them to given their skill set. So some teams value the safety position differently depending on what defense they run. And I could see him sliding to maybe early day two as well. But at the same time, I won't be shocked if one of those teams in the 20s, you know, makes uh, takes him because that range is just undeniable. He has the ability to cover a lot of ground, takes good angles. It's just that tackling in 2019 was terrible, but he was playing through a shoulder injury. So you have to weigh in. Maybe that shoulder injury significantly hindered his ability to make these tackles. And I'm telling you, those ta- it, they were really bad. It was, it was glaring on his film, his tackling ability. But you go back to 2018, go back one year, and everyone was praising him and calling him even like a top five pick, like the next LSU safety to be picked in the top 10. One of those kind of things. We've seen Jamal Adams go there. People were comparing him to him in that light. So it's uh, he's definitely one of those uh, curious cases of the uh, NFL draft. But I could see him sliding to early day, too. As we discussed earlier, this tight end group is very clearly one of the weakest, if not the weakest, in this year's NFL draft. A guy on here that is considered to be at the top of the list is our next guy here on higher lower. That's Cole Komet, tight end from Notre Dame. And because of how weak this tight end group is, his draft stock is about a second to a third round pick anywhere within that range, depending on who is willing to take a flyer on one of these tight ends. Chris, are you higher or lower on Cole Komet? Um, yeah, he'll, he will probably get drafted somewhere in the second round. But I'll, I'll say just he's a third round talent. That's kind of the best this tight end group has to offer. He is an okay player. He is fine. He will do everything you need a tight end to do, but he is just not going to be just not going to be the kind of playmaker or high ceiling starter that you want to see taken in the first or second round. Yeah, I definitely see him as a uh, I see him as a third round selection. I kind of think he might go to the third round. I think a lot of I, again, very very deep draft. You have these receivers. I, I see a run on receivers in the second round. Like I can see, you know, Judy Rugs and uh, C.D. Lamb and maybe like another receiver slipping into the first round. And then like I, I could just see like an absolute run of some of these just talented receivers. And that might even push down the tight ends a little bit. And I could see him kind of going to the third rounds. So that's kind of where I that's where I value him, and that's where I think he'll go. We've got two more players left here on higher or lower, and our next player is Tyler Biotish, center from Wisconsin. And in our positional rankings, we ended up having five straight centers before we ended up getting to a guard because we considered this center class to be pretty strong compared to most years. For Biotish, though, he's considered to be in the top 100 
of this year's draft by most people. Chris, where do you stand on Biotish? Is he inside or outside that top 100? Um, for me, I say he's inside the top 100 and I would say comfortably inside the top 100. You know, I, I before the show, we kind of set the over under at him at 99, the Giants third round pick. And yeah, I think the people who are, you know, have him outside the top 100, 110, 120, somewhere around there. I think that is just an overreaction and a backlash against really how high, how highly regarded and how hyped he was after the 2018 season where people were talking about him as the best offensive line prospect in last year's draft and or I should say the best draft eligible offensive lineman last year and you know maybe a potential top 20 pick getting to watch more of his tape I don't think he's that good but I also don't think he is as bad as some of his showings this year I think he was playing too heavy I think he might have been playing through an injury because he did have his knee scoped after the season so I would say definitely higher than that 99 over under i Maybe not top 50, but closer to that than 99. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to be in like a top 80, somewhere around there. I would actually love for him to fall to 99, and the Giants can kind of break that top 100 by selecting him at 99 and kind of finding their long-term center. But yeah, he has to work on those balance issues. Again, he was playing through an injury, like Chris said. So you want him to obviously uh, be a more balanced player who won't be on the ground as much because in 2019 he did find himself on the ground but by all accounts he's a very very tough player he can run block he can't pass block when he's healthy in 2018 he showed that he has the tape to back up his skill set now it wasn't in 2019 but it was in 2018 so if you flip 2018 and 2019 we're talking about Biotis in the first round so you can look at it that way and when you you know think about that and you combine it with the fact that he had the injury that he did have surgery on after the season it makes you really wonder this guy's there at pick 99 would the giants let him go and i just don't think he's going to be there i think he'll be selected before that 99th pick because he's his skill set suggests that he should be and the center position is definitely a valuable position for nfl offenses and he's a talented player so i i believe he'll go before uh the giants pick Last player that we have here on our list is arguably one of the most polarizing out of any of these guys because some consider him a possibility to go in the first round. Some don't think he's worth even a fourth or a fifth round pick. Uh, most consider that his combine performance, though, was enough to really improve his draft stock. That is Jalen Hurts, quarterback from Oklahoma. And right now it seems that he's going to be selected somewhere in that day two range. Chris, are you higher or lower on Jalen Hurts than on day two? I'm going to say in an ideal world, I am higher. I am one of the people who think he probably could be, maybe should be a first round player. The athleticism and the physical traits with him are obvious. He's no, he is not. He doesn't have that pinpoint precision of Baker Mayfield and he doesn't have that just stupid arm talent of Kyler Murray. But I believe he could be a similar type quarterback between his athletic traits, arm strength, and off-field leadership ability that pretty much everybody at Alabama and Oklahoma have raved about to be a similar kind of player as Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson. So I would actually have him, my own personal, not our consensus, but my own personal above Jordan Love as the quarterback five and 
I think in the right system with the right head coach and offensive coordinator, he could be a very good quarterback. Yeah, I, uh, I, I disagree with the fact that I, I just don't have him as a first-round pick, and I wouldn't put him above Jordan Love because I feel like if you were to do the same thing with Love, put him in the right system with the right uh, quarterback coach and the right offensive coordinator, Jordan Love could be a very, very good player. Just watching Jordan Love throw the football, I'm just like, holy crap, man. He has an incredibly strong arm. He puts it right where it needs to be. That's great. And then he make mistakes where I'm just like, what the hell are you seeing? <laughs> like Jordan Love is a very frustrating prospect to watch, but if he lands say with like an Andy Reid type, which isn't going to happen, obviously. But if he did, it's somebody who could be unlocked and hopefully uh, groomed to be a really good quarterback. But I love what Jalen Hurts has to offer off the field and even on the field with his athletic ability. Those accuracy issues do concern me. He does, like you said, he doesn't throw with precision and he is just inaccurate sometimes. And that's something that it, it sucks. It does because I do feel like if he had a better uh touch and accuracy on on his footballs that he would be talked about in the first round but i I value him late uh day two somewhere probably around there someone's gonna probably try to bring him in uh have a being backup role maybe even use him as a Taysom hill that's something that i've seen thrown around that i could be like this is a copycat league and he's an athletic quarterback so maybe he can kind of do uh something similar to what Taysom hill does for the saints so I'll, i'll probably say somewhere in late day two maybe mid day two that's probably where I will uh, think that he's going to land. And I think that's fair if he goes to the right system with the uh, the, the right uh, team that is ready to kind of, you know, compete right now and can kind of use him as a luxury and then maybe groom him to see what he can become. All right. Well, we managed to get some discourse on the last guy, saving the best for last. That's all we have for today's show, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to follow us on social media at Big Blue View. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. And you can follow Chris at Raptor M-K-I-I. Also, you can follow Nick at Nick Falato, spelled F-A-L-A-T-O. Nick, thank you again for joining us on the show. Hopefully we have you on maybe one more time before the draft, if not after the draft. I'm Chris and Joe. Love it, guys. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Also, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you are listening to us and stick around for our next show coming up on Wednesday, where we will be talking about our day three sleepers in this year's NFL draft. More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.